This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Across the UK, online and on DAB. A mid-morning dance with the devil. The independent republic of Mike Graham. Get up to the minute news flashes, instant reaction and expert analysis from some of the biggest names in Westminster. Order. The independent republic of Mike Graham. Live from Westminster on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham, live from Westminster. We are the only radio show covering this enormous event in its entirety. We'll be here with you all through the day, all through the vote at 7pm, all through the night at 9pm when we find out precisely just how much Theresa May has lost the vote by. Uh, The meaningful vote is being called very meaningful today uh, because we are joined not just by Katie Perrier, uh, who is of course the former Downing Street Communications Chief, but also uh, by Stanley Johnson, uh, who is going to be telling us precisely what he thinks is going to happen. Uh, in a few hours time you can call us of course 0344 499 1000 uh, is the number to call us on we'll take lots of your calls throughout the course of the show and of course uh, we will be getting the old uh, ticker out to try and work out precisely what the scale of the loss for Theresa May is and what is going to happen next Stanley first of all very good morning to you welcome uh, to the talk radio tent Delighted to see you. Oh, <coughs> delighted, delighted to be here. And what a, what a nice day to be here. Well, I mean, it could have been worse. I mean, imagine well, if the, the skies had opened and the, and, the, and the black clouds had rolled in and, you know, Brexit seemed a million miles away and we were all feeling terribly sad about it all. Well, in many ways, the skies have opened, haven't they? I mean, <laughs> the skies have opened on Mrs. May's on Mrs. May's proposal. Yes. Stanley, you've been an MEP. Uh, you've worked over there in Brussels. They're watching us, presumably, with a mixture of uh, what can only be described as ridicule and uh, and comedy, right? Bated breath. <coughs> Bated breath, I think. And, and, and just picking up, picking up Kate's point, I can imagine a situation where, you know, something like the Soir Amendment combined with, is it Murchison? Yeah, the Murchison Amendment. Murchison yeah. Amendment. You know, gives her something to go back to Brussels with and say, look, if you actually give a, a legal date, you know, to the ending of the backstop. Yes. You know, can I take that back? I can see that might 
put them in a bit of a dilemma. Yeah, Russell. well, I mean, what we're hearing today uh, from various Tory MPs, uh, many of whom have been persuaded now to actually vote with the government and with Theresa May, uh, is that basically that when she comes back on Monday, having lost this vote, uh, she will tweak a couple of things. That might be one of them, uh, in which case, um, if it doesn't happen tonight, it happens on Monday, that there's a date suddenly for the end of the backstop. And then suddenly she starts to bring back a few of those Tory rebels and perhaps even the DUP uh, to make it work for the second time. Well, I think from her point of view, her last best chance is to get a legal end date to the Brexit. I think that could change the situation in her favour. Indeed. For a second vote. David Wooding has joined us, the veteran of Westminster. I know I don't use that term uh, lightly, I by the way. I prefer retro, if you don't mind. <laughs> a man who is uh, in many different guises, now uh, currently political editor of The Sun on Sunday. Uh, David, this is the sort of day that people like us live for, isn't it? I mean, it's like theatre for free. Yeah, this is the big one of a lifetime, yeah. really. This is England in the World Cup final, if yes. you're a political uh, journalist. Uh, we haven't had anything like this since Neville Chamberlain came back with yeah. this piece of paper. Uh, and we know what happened there. Yes. But hopefully there'll be no war at the yeah, end of this, yeah, just sure. a war Thanks of words. Yeah. <laughs> well, when somebody said earlier today that it's going to be like the <coughs> FA Cup final, except there might be a replay. Well, don't forget, Chamberlain is having a bit of a rehabilitation in, you know, in the popular minds. I mean, the <laughs> argument is that Chamberlain kept the ball in play for a crucial nine months. Hmm. You know, enabling Britain to you know to fight back when we are ready. Well, let's hope that uh, Theresa May, unlike Chamberlain, lives to to, feel, to 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 receive the accolades that maybe she deserves on this one. Yeah. Because at the moment, um, everything she's touching is is turning sour. It is. But although they have set the, the the bar quite high, haven't they, in terms of the expectation? You know, having told everybody a week ago this could be a massive loss that could be 200 plus. We're now looking at them saying more like maybe a hundred. Uh, we've already heard a couple of people saying champagne corks will be going off and down the street if she loses by less than a hundred, which tells you what a bad place she's I, in. I do think, listen, uh, amid all the, all the talk about uh, dug-in MPs on both sides, the Brexiteers who want a complete 100% Brexit and the Remainers who really want nothing but to reverse the result of the referendum. In the middle, you've got lots of MPs who are really genuinely agonising and doing a good a good job on this. Yes. I spoke to one this morning who's saying, I really don't know which way to vote. Uh, I'm thinking of abstaining uh, and asking for my advice. Yeah. And I said, yeah. well, you can't abstain on an issue like this. He's <coughs> like, no, you're right. But he still hasn't but decided. You know that, but they're right, they're right to agonise. Yes. Because Mrs May's proposal is deeply unacceptable, you know, in the sense that it locks us in forever and ever and ever. I mean, it's ludicrous. It doesn't even give us the Article 50 escape, you know. So to that extent, these MPs are right to agonise. You couldn't vote. And, and the difficulty for, for, for them, whichever side of the debate they're on, is if they if they don't vote for it, they risk the side which they deeply deplore winning. Yes. So if you're a Remainer, you you risk a, a hard Brexit, and if you're a Brexiteer, you risk the re referendum. Well, I've never quite understood the, the strategy so of Downing Street. One. I mean, if indeed you could describe the, what they've been doing for the last few months as a strategy at all, because to tell people who want a hard Brexit uh, that basically if you don't vote for this there will be a no-deal Brexit, well, surely that's an incentive, isn't it? Yeah, Rather than absolutely. actually a disincentive. They're giving incentives to everybody. Yeah. This is why it's such a, a conundrum and nobody knows what's going to happen next. What interests me, I'm speaking to the editor of the, of the Sun on Sunday, what interests me is the, um, the line the Daily Mail was taking this morning, I mean, a full-page headline saying, vote for Mrs yeah. May. This is really counterintuitive, isn't it? Yes, well, of course, uh, Jody Gregg, the editor of the Daily Mail, used to be at the Mail There's on Sunday. There's a lot Sunday, of people very confused about what's happening, changed, yeah, yeah, because, the mail. because the Mail on Sunday was a Remainer paper, and he's now gone to a Brexit paper, and I think perhaps it's weakened the, 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 the Daily Mail stance on that. Yes. But there's still 
pro-Brexit, but not as heavily hard well, hitting you, as they you, were. Well, it actually it seems to me, without wishing to get sort of uh, too um, uh, anarchy about the press, given the current <laughs> company, I mean, it has changed the, the, the media landscape considerably, hasn't it? The fact that Paul Dacre is no longer really yes. around. Yep. Um, I mean, he was, of course, by far and away the, the biggest critic uh, of the Theresa May government and the biggest critic of, of the way that Brexit was being handled. I think we're all being dragged into what is the re... <laughs> Realignment uh, of British politics. Oh. It's no longer left or right. It's Remain and Leave. Well, yeah. even even the Times editorial this morning was sort of nudging in the direction of saying, "Well, we better have May." Mm. Well, because the Times doesn't want a, a hard Brexit either. And so, I mean, more and more people, i tell you what I'm hearing this morning here, uh, is, is more and more people saying, I do not want to walk through uh, the division lobby with that man. I will not side with those people. And so I think more people than we possibly think at the moment on the Tory side uh, will, will vote with the government. So you're coming down to the, uh, into the 100 range, I you? believe so. I mean, I said this morning, just before the show started, somewhere between 100 and 150. Yeah. I'm thinking now it might be closer to 100. It might even dip below that, perhaps, because... Because we're hearing an awful lot of, um, uh, you know, Tory MPs who are reluctant to walk through the division lobby with, with Labour. Yeah, I think that's happened. I, I was saying 150 at the weekend, yeah. and I think it has come down since then. Right. I think more and more people are heart-searching, and some people have been... Uh, uh, basically crumbling yeah. under the under the pressure of the momentous decision. Now, I know you won't want to answer this question, Stanley, but I'm going to ask you anyway, because, of course, Boris, your son, one of your family members, who no doubt had a lively debate around the Christmas din dinner table. Yeah, we had to decide which is it going to be, <laughs> breast or thigh. I know. Well, I mean, we all know the answer to that one as well. But let's, but let's say, for example, um, you know, he's waiting in the wings, perhaps, for an opportunity to, to see whether it might be his time to have a go at uh, running for the leadership of the Tory party. I mean, is there any possibility, and I'll ask you this as well, David, after he's answered, um, that, that she just gets fed up and says, you know what, this has become such a drag. I've had to literally drag myself through hell to get to where I am. I can't keep doing it. It's time for a new leader. From what I know of Mrs May, there is absolutely no possibility that she will say, I'm fed up. And right. that is just not, not on the cards. That's not her, not her personality. <coughs> so to that extent, I think you can say, as Boris just said the other day, there is no vacancy. But leaving that aside, he was absolutely clear, absolutely clear that he is concentrating on the matter in hand. And the matter in hand at this moment is to make sure the government deal fails. Yes. Well, I mean, that's his, that's a matter in hand for him. Um, but I guess, you know... Well, and also for, for my other son. Yeah, but for, yes, indeed. I mean, both of whom have resigned yeah. from the government. So quite a record, family, family is united. No, exactly. What about what you're hearing, David, as far as the, um, you know, those waiting in the wings? And, and, and it, you know, it may not be Theresa May's choice to walk away, but somebody might ask her to do so. Yeah, I, I mean, it, in normal, normal daily politics, the normal grind of politics, you'd expect the Prime Minister to, to resign if they lost by 100-plus votes yeah. on a key policy issue. But these are not normal times. Times. Uh, and we've seen the resilience of Theresa May. She, she's gone through an election defeat, votes of no confidence by her own party, yeah. all sorts of hammering. She's lost 27 Commons, de uh, commons de uh, votes yeah. in the past three years. That's one a month at least. Uh, and, um, and well, she's lost quite a few members she, of the cabinet as well. Of course, she? resignations galore. Yeah. Th this isn't going to topple her. And the, the most important thing is that she can't go because this would be deserting the country. Uh, it's most dangerous moment when she needs to stay on and yeah, see she, this through. She has criticised Mr Cameron for yeah. walking off the scene when the last when the last result yeah. came through. I didn't think she's going to walk off the scene. But as somebody said, I don't remember who it was, I said, 
Stanner is not a strategy. And most important, Stanley, I don't think anybody else wants to do so. I certainly don't think Boris does. No. I don't think Boris would want to inherit this mess. No, I don't think And I don't so. think Jeremy Corbyn would want to inherit this mess. They all want to stay there, do the job, and then they can come in and deal with schools and hospitals. At the risk of giving you an open door to kick in as a Liverpool <laughs> fan, it's a bit like what, not wanting to be the next Manchester United manager, isn't it? <laughs> yes, well, yeah, of well, course. Well. Yeah, let, let, let them... I mean, uh, the, the one I likened it to with my, my fellow journalists was to take over uh, newspapers during the Leveson inquiry yeah. when editors were consumed with, with allegations of phone hacking and mm. people were being arrested by the police officers. You wouldn't want to be an editor. You want to wait till all that's sorted out and then come in and deal with news and sport yes. and things that people are interested in. Absolutely. It's the same with the Prime Minister. Well, well, there is an argument that the real, the real negotiation doesn't happen now. It happens when the deal's done and we've got three years to do the free trade yes. you know, that's And that's we need the, somebody new to do that. That's the real political And I think that's when it will change. Guys, thank you very much indeed. Stanley Johnson, uh, good luck with the rest of the day. I hope you've got a good lunch plan because you'll need to gird your loins for later. David, uh, you'll be here all night, I dare say. It's a pleasure. Good thank you very you. much indeed. You You're listening to The Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Live from Westminster. Order! With rapier sharp instant reaction from some of the biggest names in politics and journalism. On Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. We are live on College Green uh, down in Westminster. I'm not sure if that's going to be the anthem that Theresa May is going to be singing and dancing around Downing Street later on uh, if she gets defeated by only uh, a narrow margin. I'm delighted to say uh, we're now joined by Bob Seeley, a Tory MP for the Isle of Wight. Bob, a very good afternoon to you. Welcome Hello, to the tent. Uh, we've had a fantastic morning here. Some of the things we've been told uh, have been correct. Some of the things we've been told uh, have been incorrect. Uh, you've just heard an item on the news there that uh, you weren't entirely in agreement with. Um, what's going on? Was that, was that Hilary Benn I was listening to, wasn't it? Saying yes. it's all terribly complicated. We couldn't possibly solve it ourselves. It's beyond the wit of man. Yeah. What a load of rubbish. Yeah, well, I mean, what this a load is your of job, disingenuous, isn't it? disingenuous rubbish. Yeah. There is a very simple answer to this and that we respond and respect to the will of the people. We, the political class, gave the people a choice. I know it was a previous parliament, mm. but we agreed. The people would have a say on this, the final say, once in a, re- once in a generation referendum, and we would honour that result. And the problem is we have a Brexit nation and we have a Remain parliament. And sophists or sophist- sophistryists, whatever the correct word, yes. these very clever legal people like the Dominic Greaves, uh, I don't know if he's a Latter-day Thomas More or just resembles Professor Yassel from Bag- Bagpuss, I don't know. Yeah. Just all these people have been so clever and they're looking at all these lovely precedents. Actually, this comes down to the fact that emotionally they don't want to leave and they're just trying very, very clever ways to keep us in the European Union and not to respect the will of the people. And it is a bad thing for our democracy. It is. And it's so the answer is not we don't need rocket science. We just need MPs, yes. politicians to respect the vote. Well, and they're I not mean, doing so. I've spent many a week uh, sitting both here and in the studios in, uh, uh, in Waterloo talking to MPs and saying, just do your job. Yep. You know, you were elected to do a job and yep. you were instructed to do a job. And even lawyers, the problem with lawyers, right, is that when they're not actually engaged by anyone, mm-hmm. they go off on their own and they spin around like Catherine wheels. Once you tell a lawyer what to do yep. they are duty bound to do it and that's what they should be doing and they have done parliament a massive disservice i would say over the last few weeks by behaving in the they ways they, they have. have they have it is important that okay it was a 52 48 vote mm. there is a you know magnanimity is a wonderful ingredient both in life but as churchill said in victory yeah so the fact that we have a slightly 
mediocre deal, fair enough. We probably didn't negotiate as we should have done. I completely agree that if we'd had a bunch of really tough negotiators and were willing to walk away from the word go, we might have had a better deal. However, if you talk to the negotiators, actually, these people are quite proud of what they've done. Yeah. You know, because we're going to have that free movement uh, um, of, of goods in the European Union, so we're going to keep the just-in-time con economy, so we minimise the downside of leaving now. Right. Yeah, which some of my colleagues don't like who are, who are voting against because they're very Brexiteer. Yes. Um, so it's not a perfect deal, but right now... It's not a perfect world, is it? I no. mean, the point is, let's not try and make it perfect. Ross Kempson was telling us earlier, yeah, uh, Bob, that uh, yeah. there is this uh, business of some amendment shuffling going on, uh, some of which may be helpful to Theresa May's deal, some of which may not. Yep. Uh, Ross, what's your uh, take on, on, on whether the numbers are now going to be affected if indeed this uh, amendment you were talking about is going to get uh, added to the bill? Well, just in the last few minutes, number 10 source is playing down to me the chances of the Muriston amendment being selected because it doesn't have a huge amount of support in the Commons, but I would expect them to do that, so I wouldn't read too much into that. Yeah. Um, quite to the contrary, I would imagine that if the Speaker does select the Muriston amendment, and we have heard earlier, we would usually know by now which amendments have been selected, the Speaker instead deciding to do that from the chair so that'd be quite a big moment fancies the drama of it all well i mean that would be for mps who know the speaker better to to say but he's he's never one to shy away from making an announcement from the chair when no. when he can and he's going to be making that quite significant amount announcement and the reason for that is because as i keep saying on the order paper we have 13 amendments right now but not all of them will be selected and it would dictate what happens in the run-up to the vote and if there is support widespread support and the DUP haven't shot this down in any means they really haven't uh, completely rode away from this if there is a widespread degree of support for the Muriston amendment that could help Theresa May because remember that amendment puts a time limit on the um, withdrawal from the backstop after leaving the transition period at the moment that's not been agreed by the EU so it's a theory rather than a reality but if that does come uh, to pass it could really help the numbers for Theresa May and it gives her a plan B which has automatically been given some credence in Parliament and I'm sure uh, that implicitly if not explicitly Tory whips are hoping for that um, uh, amendment to be backed now we haven't seen any formal backing from the government but I should imagine that behind the scenes and MPs are telling me that they are being steered in that direction. Bob what's your sense yeah. of, um, of a number if you, if you care to, to, to think of one in terms of what the success rate is likely to be for the second vote maybe in, uh, uh, on Monday night perhaps? Um, you know, I haven't. I, I really don't know. Mm. And, and, and it all depends what happens between this evening when we're going to lose by between 100 and 230 votes. Ross probably is going to give you a better guess than I can because he, he's been doing the numbers and he's very expert on these things. Um, what, what happens afterwards, I, I don't know. My, I am very focused on getting a Brexit that we can live with through because my constituents in the Isle of Wight voted 62% for that, mm. for Brexit, okay. and the British nation voted. So I'm going to vote, I'm going to be one of those people who are going to vote for the for the easiest way and the best way to get a Brexit deal through. So I will be reliant on government, and I'm happy to be, on the, I'm happy to rebel on certain things, but on this, the government has been in the right. The government is trying to do the will of the people, and it is Parliament. Really fascinating for historians. Yeah. Historically, Parliament has taken power, arbitrary power, and it's taken that power away from monarchs uh, and people who hold power arbitrarily. So monarchs and lords. And for the first time in our history, Parliament is arbitrarily taking power from the people 
after we decided to give them a referendum yeah. and a choice. And that is a shocking reversal of our history. It really is. And it's a dangerous precedent to yeah. set as well, isn't Bad. it? Because, I mean, we Bad. keep hearing that, uh, you know, there are people in Parliament who really don't want Brexit to happen, who will do everything yeah. they can, and you've, you've hinted at that, uh, to prevent it, to, 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 to kind of filibuster it, if you like, yep. to let it drag on. I mean, there are some significant sort of repercussions from that. Yeah. And I think you will see them now, even if nothing else gets any worse, yeah. at the next election, you know, where people... People will be so angry yeah. that they'll either not bother voting at all yeah. or they will go after certain people and hound them out of office. It is, it is worthwhile noting that we are the, one of the few countries in Europe that doesn't have extremist populist parties because we gave the people a choice on yeah. this. Now, I don't buy the fact that we're going to be out in the spe- streets, but I think there's going to be a very quiet anger with a lot of people that they feel the political classes aren't listening to them. It's irrelevant how I, vo- I voted Brexit, mm. so did my Ireland which I'm delighted about. Yeah. It doesn't matter how I voted. I have a duty to respect that result because although I wasn't in Parliament at the time, I'm a parliamentarian and, frankly, we collectively signed up to give the people the choice. Mm. And what we're now doing is disrespecting that choice and it's shocking. No. So even if we'd voted remain by one vote, I would have said that's how the cookie crumbles, we move on. And that would have been it for a decade. Well, I think so because the problem with the remaining sort of uh, remainers, if you like, those yeah. people like... Tony Blair, Alistair Campbell, yeah. you know, who have been absolutely kind of um, vitriolic, if you like, in their yeah. um, in their naysaying of, of, a, of yeah. a popular vote, yeah. which was won fair and square, uh, yeah. very decidedly. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. they have done huge damage, I think, to yeah. our the, democracy the people, as well. The people are too dumb, or they didn't know, yeah. or they were lied to. I mean, all the fibs, actually, ironically, were all the predictions mm. of what was going to happen after yeah. the vote, not after we left, right. after the vote, none of which have come true. Have come true. And of course, the reason when uh, you argue with with people who maintain that that could still happen is that, oh, well, that's because we haven't left yet. And you go, well, no, no, no. you didn't make that argument. You made the argument that it would happen as soon as we voted. The Treasury, George Osborne, David Cameron, my own colleagues were saying an immediate and prolonged severe recession after the vote. An emergency budget, uh, pensions freeze, all this good stuff. Um, clearly a sharp de- uh, d- uh, downturn in the economy, recession. None of this, none of this has happened. Mm. Now, this day will go down in history, I said at the top of the show, mm-hmm. um, as an incredibly historic uh, day, a day where great things happened in the Parliament. Um, do you think it will be remembered um, as the beginning of something good, i.e. this was when Brexit really started, uh, or the beginning of the end? Uh, I think it's when Brexit is is really kicking in and the political outcomes of Brexit is kicking in. What the future is going to hold, second referendum, early elections, collapse of government, getting this deal through in three weeks' time. If the DUP turn around and say, we're we're doing something, all bets are off. All bets are off. Uh, Because then, and if the ERG decide, and we've seen the circus around Jacob wandering around just this morning, if the ERG say, okay, we're changing, all bets are off. We may yet get this through. Mm. That's my sense. Bob Seeley, thank you very much thank indeed. You. Bob Seeley, uh, Tory MP for the Isle of Wight. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Support comes from ServiceNow, the AI platform for business transformation. You've heard the hype around AI. The truth is, AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. ServiceNow is the platform that puts AI to work for people across your business. Removing friction and frustration for your employees. Supercharging productivity for your developers. Providing intelligent tools for your service agents to make customers happier. All built into a single platform you can use right now. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Visit servicenow.com slash AI for people to learn more. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Today, of course, is the day of destiny, as it's being called. Uh, we are down here in the company of a great many MPs, a great many pundits as well. Katie Perrier is with me. Katie, of course, the former communications chief at Downing Street. We're joined now by Sir Edward Lee, uh, a Tory MP for Gainsborough. Sir Edward, a very good morning to you and welcome. Good morning. Thank you very much for joining us. Now, I'm told uh, that you will be backing the deal tonight, uh, having decided to change your mind from a previous decision that you've made. Is that right? Yes, why I'm going to back the deal is it's not perfect, but uh, the people like me who are sanguine about no deal, who are lifetime Brexiteers, we're only a quarter of Parliament. If she goes down in flames tonight, the Remainers who dominate Parliament will give us, from a Brexit point of view, something far worse, like a second referendum. It's too dangerous, it's playing with fire, so I'm going to back up. What's going to happen vis-a-vis uh, -vis the sort of the size of the defeat that she may suffer? I mean, I've been I've been saying for the last few days, you know, she might do better than everybody's expecting her to do. We're now hearing Downing Street giving sort of uh, signs that perhaps, yes, it might be a three-digit defeat, but it won't be necessarily as bad as 200. Have you got an idea in mind of of what the numbers actually will mean for her? No, I've got no idea. Nobody knows. I have no idea how many of my colleagues like me uh, might bite the bullet and vote for something that they know is inadequate for fear of something worse but that's what you do in life you know uh, so I don't know how much you're going to lose by but I know quite a lot of my colleagues who will vote against her tonight that's Brexiteer colleagues will come on board next week they want to sort of burnish their credentials uh, put themselves in line with their sort of UKIP type voters um, and then they'll come on board next week. So do you see there being a second vote next week, then, next Monday, and she kind of tinkers with whatever she can tinker yeah. with? But what can she tinker with, though? Well, actually, there's quite a lot you could do. I put down an amendment. Under international law, you could put down a letter of reservation saying that you're going to unilaterally end the backstop by the end of 2021. That'll bring a lot of colleagues on board. It might even bring the DUP on board. Actually, I think there are ways on doing it. And maybe the government is keeping various devices in their locker, knowing they're going to lose tonight. They're going to come 
come back with more next week to try and convince more of my colleagues to vote for her. Because after all, uh, I think a lot of my colleagues know that basically I'm right, that we're in a small minority in Parliament. We've campaigned all these years to bring back control to Parliament. We can't ignore Parliament. And ultimately, we can't take the risk of losing Brexit. So I, I think that we'll get, in the end, we'll get a deal very much like this, but not tonight. And what about Dominic Grieve and his ilk? I mean, he's obviously trying to derail the whole process. Uh, he's trying to bring the Tory party, it seems to me, into some kind of disrepute uh, with the voters because the voters voted to get out of Europe. He seems to want to prevent that from happening. And he justifies it by saying that, well, of course, you know, I'm not going to allow chaos to reign in this country. I'm going to be the man that stands there and stops it all from happening. Um, what's he going to do in the event of a loss tonight for Theresa May? Well, he's going to combine with the Labour Party, him, as you say, and his ilk. That's 20 of him. Uh, Uber Remainers are going to combine with the Labour Party. They're absolutely ruthless, absolutely determined, and they're going to try and deliver, if they can, a second referendum or a Brexit which is so watered down as to be absolutely meaningless. Permanent membership of the customs union, the single market, no control over migration, permanently tied into their, all their rules and regulations. At least Mrs May's deal, inadequate, is a process. Mm. Uh, within two, three or four years, we'll be out of it completely. So that is the plan of Dominic Grieve, and I'm not sure I want to play his game by voting against uh, Mrs May tonight. Do I want to go in the same lobby as... Uh, Ian Blackford of the SNP wants to destroy the United Kingdom. Do I want to go in the same lobby as Dominic Grieve who wants to frustrate the will of the people? Do I want to go in the same lobby as Jeremy Corbyn who wants to bring in a far-left Labour government? No. So I'll bite the bullet. I'll vote for the Prime Minister. Casey Perry was saying to us earlier uh, that this might be um, a, a work of genius in some ways by Theresa May to have postponed the previous vote that was supposed to take place back in December or it may come back and, and bite her on the backside. Which of those two is likely to be the case, do you think? Well, we were hoping, us Brexiteers, and perhaps the Prime Minister, that we could run down the clock. This is the idea of Jacob Rees-Mogg, that you run down the clock and automatically we drift out. But I'm afraid that if that was the plan, it was scuppered after last week, after the ruling by Mr Speaker Burko. We've got to come back now within three days, I think by next Monday, three parliamentary days. So all that talk of running down the clock, drifting out of the EU, I think is for the birds. I think that the Remainers, like Grieve, will now seize control of the process and they'll be helped by the Speaker. And I really do think there's a real danger now. And imagine what the people would say. 17 million people who voted leave who can see establishment politicians frustrating their will. There would be, what were British, there's not going to be civil war, there's not going to be riots in the street, but there'll be a lot of very unhappy people. There are an awful lot of people that contact us here on uh, Talk Radio either by phone or by uh, social media and, su and, and such, uh, basically saying that if that was the case, they'd, they'd never vote again. They would become so disillusioned with the process. I don't know what that means for democracy, but it doesn't seem like a very good thing. No, I mean, they were told in that ridiculous leaflet that the government paid for, or rather you paid for, yeah. £14 million, that this was a full and final decision. Absolute commitment. The Parliament passed a decision to them. And this is one thing you can say for Mrs May. She didn't actually vote for this, but she's doggedly tried to put it into effect, you know, over two years. She's doggedly gone back again and again to the EU, uh, and she is saying we've got to deliver what the people want. And that's what I want. So this doesn't give me everything, but it gives me most of what I want. Well, it gets you on the road to what you want as well, I suppose, which is what I was saying, I think, Casey, when uh, this original plan was, was unveiled by Theresa May. You know, I wasn't particularly happy about it. However, um, to have a plan is better than to have no plan, isn't it? Well, lots of people in Parliament uh, behind us, they know what they're against, but they're not quite sure what they're for. Mm. 
and it's a bit like getting cats in a sack and trying to get some order amongst them. The, ne the next move after uh, Monday, when she brings it back potentially to the Commons, uh, is the blame game as to why we might be delaying Article 50 and we might be extending it into July uh, kind of period because yeah. that, that four-week delay that may have won her some more support and, and more votes uh, but wasted four weeks in terms of all the legislation that needs to get through Parliament in time for the end of March deadline, we may well run out of time. And now she either she stands up and puts her hands up and says, yes, I, that was a necessary thing to do, or blames it on her colleagues around her and, and on the other side of the bench, and Jeremy Corbyn saying, you couldn't come up with a plan, you didn't back me in good time, therefore there's no choice but to extend this. I just don't think it's going to wash very well with the nation that we've had two years to sort this out and yet we could be facing uh, an extension within the next couple of weeks. Well, it is the old story, isn't it, Sir Edward? If you give somebody enough time, they'll make sure that they extend extend the work to fill that time out. And so if you have got the opportunity to extend to July, uh, why wouldn't you do it? Well, because it's another betrayal. It's obviously a trap, isn't it? It's obviously devised by the Remainers to delay and delay and delay. And the fact is that we gave notice we're going to leave on the 29th of March, and that's what the people want. And uh, whatever you say about Mrs May's deal, it does get us... Uh, suddenly, imagine if she, by a miracle, won tonight. Tony Blair would go away in a puff of smoke. There'd be no more talk of a second A lot of people would vote for that. <laughs> so that's the end of him. The power would shoot up. People would get cheaper holidays again. You know, um, business confidence would be restored. Yeah. We get Brexit. Uh, after two or three years, we, we leave the customs union. Suddenly, the sky would lighten. The people would say, oh, well, now the country's come together again. So why should I, as a Tory MP, want to put that at risk? No, indeed. Sir Edward, thank you very much indeed. Sir Edward Lee. The fallout, the fury, the future. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Live from Westminster. Yeah, order on Talk Radio. This is the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. We are live on College Green outside the mother of all parliaments where the mother of all rows is currently going on. Uh, the vote takes place at 7 o'clock tonight. Will we uh, move closer to Brexit? Will we move further away? Will we move closer to a second referendum or a people's vote, as some people would call it? We've got division bells down here. Uh, we've got flags being waved. We've got Katie Perrier, uh, former Downing Street communications chief. We're now joined uh, by the leader of the Lib Dems, Sir Vince Cable. Sir Vince, a very good morning to you. To you. Uh, not quite as chilly as we uh, were expecting it to be so uh, we'll feel the temperature of the house of commons later on um what do you foresee happening tonight it seems to be a choice of a massive defeat uh, to a not so bad defeat yes i think that's a correct summary i'm told that the champagne corks will pop in downing street if they get away with the defeats of under 100 yes but, i'm uh, hearing that yeah but the crucial thing then is is what happened next we will have this attempt by the labor party to achieve a general election i don't think that will happen the crucial day it will be next Monday, yes. I think, when the Prime Minister's got to come back. And if she's got any reserve in her armoury, uh, we'll then hear about it. But uh, if she hasn't, then we're, we're on to more radical options. No, indeed. I mean, it certainly seems as though the, the strategy which it appears to be being worked on uh, is that she provides uh, this vote knowing that she's going to lose it. Um, she hopes to pick up, if it is, as you say, um, champagne corks popping time and under, under 100 people uh, to persuade a wrong, alongside her on Monday, that she might just be able to do that. It, it's just possible. Mm. Yeah, I, I wouldn't 
rule it out, actually. Uh, I think quite a lot of Conservative MPs are up, up for bullying and bribing. Um, and, and it well, there could well be a few more knighthoods to, to be given uh, away. But, uh, indeed, uh, peerages, as <laughs> not to mention. Uh, but, uh, but I think, actually, we're, we're in... The, the key issue, by the time we get to no, next Monday, will what we do about the continuing risk of no deal, which uh, some people are touting, but I think the government itself realises would have... Hmm really major and I think disastrous consequences and the question would arise about how that is then stopped and what the alternatives are. Okay and as far as your own position Sir Vince, I mean obviously you are uh, not in favour at all of Brexit, you want to stay in the European Union, your party wants to stay in the European Union, is there anything that would persuade you personally or the party to vote with the deal in order to avoid a no deal? No, I, I think no deal is a choice. The government can come forward at any time till the end of March and pull it. I mean, the, the, the big issue for me is, is how no Brexit is achieved. I mean, it could be achieved by simply stopping it, by pulling Article 50, which I think wouldn't be seen as most people as democratic. And that's why I think we do have to go back to the public and give them the final say. From my point of view, that is a risk. I mean, I, my side of the argument might well, lose. Well, certainly, but, as uh, I said, I was saying uh, earlier today... But I think that is the fair way of resolving yeah. it. Yeah, OK. And, and how close do you think you'll come to that, depending on how bad the defeat is? I mean, are you closer to a second referendum, the bigger the defeat? Uh, I, I think that is the case, yes. Uh, the, the public opinion suggests that, that there is now a majority in favour of that. But if we haven't yet got a majority of MPs. It, it, it certainly requires... Uh, the Labour Party, Jeremy Corbyn in particular, to change their position. And, and Vince, in, in a vote of no confidence in the Prime Minister, should Jeremy Corbyn call for a vote of no confidence in the Prime Minister, will you say to the Prime Minister, we will back you if you go for a second referendum? Um, I, I don't think it's as simple as that. I, I doubt very much she, she will be in a position to offer that deal. But the question is what you mean by backing her. No, we, we, if, if um, either she or Jeremy Corbyn say, let's have a, a people's vote, then I think it would be our duty to try and develop a more cooperative approach and get different parties working together, not just during the referendum, but after it, and bringing the country together. But it's not a simple question of, a, of, of offering a deal. It's not, not as straightforward as that. Sure. Sir Vince, thank you very much. Thank indeed. You. Sir Vince Cable there uh, giving us his view of what's going to happen later on. Katie, you might remember a few months ago, uh, I said to you, did I not? Why don't we just get a party together of people who want to have Brexit and want to make Brexit work and make them all sit down together around the table and give them the status of a kind of a mini-government? You poo-pooed that suggestion, right? You've just heard the leader of the Liberal Democrats saying exactly the same thing. Listen, I want to be a billionaire. Don't mean to say it's going to happen. Billionaire. Yeah, well, you good know, luck with that. There's no, there's no chance of doing that at the moment. Now, Parliament's trying to wrestle back control of the Brexit agenda. Yeah. And some of those people saying, well, you want to hand it over to a liaison panel of something like 36 MPs. Trouble is with that is they're heavily remain voting. Mm. So that, that instantly, you know, will outcome in the outcome will be a very soft Brexit, not the kind of Brexit that many people in Parliament thought that they were voting for. So there's no easy way through this. No, there isn't, because I've said repeatedly over the course of the time that we've been down here on College Green, uh, which has been some weeks now. Basically, there aren't two people in Westminster who agree on what Brexit should form. Uh, and, and we've got another guest here, Kate Hoey, Labour MP. Very good morning to you, Kate. Good morning. Welcome to uh, the famous talk radio tent. It's the best place to be. I'll be quite happy to hold your hand during the process. Uh, and if I, I've even got some gloves I could lend you if you wish. But listen, um, what are you going to do tonight? Seven o'clock, the bell goes. Uh, which way are you going? Well, I'd probably vote against all the amendments because I think they're all meaningless in the sense that that they wouldn't change the legal status of the agreement and then I'll vote against it because as far as I'm concerned 
it's 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 disappointing. I'm I'm a strong leaver. I wanted to leave. I don't think this um, is really what people voted for. I think it leaves us half in, half out, and I think there's huge uncertainty over the next two or three years when um, we will be subject to really how the EU wants to play it, mm. rather than us having sure. control. Yes, certainly those who voted to leave are quite disappointed. Um, we've just been speaking to uh, Sir Edward Lee, a Tory MP, who says that it's not what he wants really either, but it's a step in the right direction. And because of that, he's going to vote with yeah. the deal. But he also believes that if it's not too massive of a defeat, Theresa May comes back on Monday, has another vote, and maybe gets it through. Well, I think that it won't be as big a majority as everyone's saying. I really don't think. I think it will. Uh, there'll be a lot of abstentions, perhaps, and people change their mind at the last minute. And there is a lot of loyalty always in, within a party. But uh, if she goes back, uh, she would have to come back with... I mean, it just seems amazing that the EU couldn't have another little page of a bit of legal jargon that actually stopped the backstop, gave an end date for it, changed that. Um, would that bring you on board well, if they it, could do it, that? It would certainly help me to look at it again, but I really don't think there's so much of the detail in the rest of it that is actually um, very much allowing the EU still to have huge control and we're going to be tied in to an awful lot of the regulations that we may not want to have and we won't be able to get out of it. And it's it's you know it's too late now but we shouldn't have started from here you know i think the prime minister genuinely has been not strong enough our negotiators have been too much cap in hand and almost pleading rather than going in and saying look we're a big country we want to work with you if you don't want to work with us tough we will we'll walk see away. you when you do exactly right now i know you don't speak for the corbynistas in the labor party but uh, if it is a narrower defeat than uh, everyone is expecting less than 100 say uh, does he hold his uh, gunpowder as it were and keep his powder dry does he not try and push for a no confidence vote i think uh, jeremy corbyn has been quite um, astute really in the way he's handled this so far because he's had to keep his party together that is divided, particularly our Labour supporters out there um, I think he will still want to, uh, he, there'll be a lot of pressure on him to go immediately for a vote of no confidence but you know there isn't much point in going for a vote of no confidence if you're not going to win and I don't see at this moment one single Conservative who would go into the lobbies having voting against their own government. The DUP will not, uh, particularly if they've defeated the withdrawal agreement, so I can't see uh, that happening. I think some of our ardent Remainers want to see it happen and be de defeated so that they can then push for a second referendum or another option, which was what the conference said. Yeah. And what goes on today? I mean, you'll be starting off in Well, I'm hoping to business. speak today. Uh, yeah, well, presumably that happens after about 12.30. Well, yeah, right? but that means you have to sit there all afternoon <laughs> and wait till you're called. And, uh, I'm, you know, you, you never know how long you're going to get yes. until we see how many people are speaking today. But at least it will finish at seven, we know. And the Prime Minister will probably wind up around about half past six or so. And what do you expect from John Burko and, uh, you know, those like Dominic Grieve who would like to bring Parliament more f fully into the process? Is that something that's going to happen? Now, I'm very clear that Parliament voted very, very huge majority to give the decision to the British people. Parliament now cannot expect to overturn that by manoeuvring and legal jargon and legal changes and bits and pieces. The only way that can be changed is is by, by absolutely by legislation and that can only come about by the government pushing it. If John Burko tries to 
change and play around with that, then I think that is really quite a, you know, quite a threat to the way our democratic mm. system operates. Yes, I think it would make the government and the parliament even more unpopular than it already is. Kate, thank you very much indeed. Kate Ho, Labour MP there, uh, saying that uh, uh, what, uh, what a lot of people out there, Katie, believe, uh, which is that John Burko has no business uh, with this kind of power grab that he made last week, uh, and he really is going to make himself and the parliament incredibly unpopular uh, if he tries to take the initiative, I suppose, away from the government here. Absolutely, and he's lost a lot of respect from parliamentarians across Parliament in the last week. And normally, a speaker gets a peerage or a knighthood afterwards. I think it's probably gone in this yes. case. Theresa May's livid mm. with the speaker and the way that he's behaved uh, over this. It's quite clear he wants to thwart the kind of government process into towards maybe a harder Brexit than he would like. Yeah. And he's helping out some of the others. That's that's the accusation from many of the Brexiteers. The Remainers will say actually, you know, the, the Leave campaign was about taking back. Control. Well, their view is Parliament is taking control. Yes, indeed. Get up to the minute news flashes, instant reaction, and expert analysis. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Live from Westminster. Order! On Talk Radio. Independent Republic of Mike Graham live down at Westminster. We're on College Green. It's very, very busy down here. There are MPs everywhere. There are pundits everywhere. Uh, there's camera crews everywhere. We are here, of course, throughout the day and night, all the way through. Uh, and you can listen to us on talkradio.co.uk. Uh, you can listen to us uh, via the Talk Radio app and, of course, uh, on DAB as well. We've got loads going on. Ross Capsule's here with me as well. Uh, we're going to go to the phones now, though, because uh, some of you want to talk about this big vote tonight. Uh, loads and loads of alternative Brexit plans being unveiled by the way as we speak. Arlene Foster's talking, Dominic Raab's talking. Uh, we'll bring you all of that news as it happens of course. The vote takes place tonight at 7pm uh, 0344 499 I've got loads of tweets to read out as well. We've just been so busy this morning I haven't had a chance uh, to read them out live on the air but I am reading them, I am seeing them so do keep sending them in at Talk Radio at IROMG. Let's kick things off uh, with Mike in York. Good morning Mike. Is Katie still well? Uh, Katie's had to leave, I'm afraid. She's got some real work to do, apparently, she claims. <laughs> My question to every one of those MPs is that if Sinn Féin become the next... Well, a member of Sinn Féin becomes the next Taoiseach, yeah. what happens then? What plans are there? Yes, Could well, it that's... be that Jerry Adams becomes a Taoiseach? What, you mean in the Republic of Ireland are you talking about? Yeah. Are you talking about up in the north? Well, they've got, no, they got no government up there at all at the moment, have they? I'm talking about Southern Ireland. Sinn yeah. Féin has got, well, over 22 um, members. If they, and, and obviously, Leo Varica uh, is not a very popular person. I'd even go so far as to say he's hated, especially with uh, his record. So what, uh, so, so what are you saying? You're saying if, if, if it was the case that that was to happen, um, what, what's your question? Well, we're going to get a right kicking, are we not? From whom? Well, from uh, Southern Ireland. They're not going to agree to anything in the next few years. Yeah. Leo Varadkar may not even last a year. But yeah, can but I we, just take we, one no, other... but, but we don't have to get any agreement out of Ireland because we don't negotiate with Ireland. We negotiate surely with the European Union, of which Ireland are a part. And all 27 members. Yes, exactly. So, and the, but can I just ask another thing as well? Yeah, go on. All these, all these MPs all mention the word all the nose and vote for a bad deal. Well, what about holding the nerve? 
I've uh, looked a CV up of Sir Edward Lee. Yes. And he's the chairman of the Public Accounts Committee. Yeah. So what's he done about Brussels moving to Strasbourg every month, costing 114 million euros? Well, he hasn't done anything about that because, well, not not only has he not done anything about it, but nobody can do anything about it because we, you know, all this cobblers about how we have control of what goes on inside the European Union. Well, I'm sorry, we don't have any control over what goes on inside the European Union, which is one of the good reasons to vote to get out of it. Not only that, he mentioned, well, it might take two or three years. He hasn't got a clue. He shouldn't be there. Mm. He should not be there. Can I quote Cromwell? You can. May I? Yes, please. Okay. Cromwell said, it is not fit that you should sit here any longer. You shall now give place to better men stroke women. Yeah. And that just about sums up that house of, of a circus. House of ill repute. Den of Thank iniquity. You. Listen, Mike, um, you know, we'll all have a chance to vote people out come the next general election, which I'm sure uh, is going to be closer than we think. Damien Collins joins us now, Tory MP for Folkestone. Damien, uh, listening to what Ross uh, Kempson was saying there, uh, the amendments might make all the difference tonight. What's what's your plan of action at the moment? Uh, and, and are you persuadable, as it were? No, no, I'm not persuadable at all on the deal. I've been clear since the deal was first published that I wouldn't be supporting it. And... Uh, you know, as they say, nothing has changed. Right. You know, not, um, the the substance of the deal, you know, is problematic for me because this crucial issue about the backstop. You know, we go into transition, we go into a backstop, but once we're in the backstop, we can't get out of it without the EU's permission. And therefore, we're trying to negotiate a future trade a de- future trade deal, future relationship with the EU, where the EU have already got locked down. Basically, that we'll be in the customs union, we'll be abiding by and shadowing single market rules, and then negotiating, knowing they've got that in the bag. So what there has to be is this independent route out of the backstop agreement. Now, despite various letters from back and forth from Brussels, the Europeans have not offered any legal guarantee that we could do that. And then when you look at the amendments tonight, Hugo Swire's amendment, again, doesn't offer the legal guarantee. What the Murison amendment does is basically force the government to go back and renegotiate the withdrawal agreement based on having that legal guarantee that we could leave the backstop. So, so, so you know, I think people like myself may look favourably at an amendment like that, but obviously that amendment doesn't deliver the withdrawal agreement. It imposes a condition which would have to be met. Um, I see no real evidence of people changing their minds. I think the concerns people have about the backstop mechanism in particular is going to stop a lot of people voting for the deal. I think the Prime Minister needs to make really clear tonight that if this deal is voted down, particularly by a big margin, that, you know, that she and the government will you know, be the servants of the House, they will go back and renegotiate, and they won't just try and represent this deal again. I think it's been a, you know, a tragedy and a massive waste of time that with this vote wasn't put before Christmas. We've achieved nothing in the last uh, four or five weeks of waiting. We're exactly where we would have been before Christmas if we'd had the vote then, and I don't think we can afford to waste any more time. Are you concerned, though, that by not voting for the deal, and, and many of your colleagues will do the same thing, that you're not handing a golden opportunity... Uh, to, the, to the likes of uh, either Jeremy Corbyn and the Labour Party or indeed John Burko uh, to sort of grab back power from the government in, in some kind of a, uh, a never-before-seen sort of pooch, if you like. Well, I think what we've learned in the last week is that the, the, the spe- if the Speaker is determined to pursue a course of action, then he's got a lot of power, uh, whether that's amending the standing orders of the House, making it possible for 
backbenchers to bring forward legislation for that to be debated. So we are in fairly uncharted territory there. With regard to Labour and, and, and Jeremy Corbyn and whether there will be a confidence motion for a general election, I think even if they do push for a confidence motion this week, I think you'll find that people like myself who have voted against a withdrawal agreement will, will back the government in the, in the confidence motion. So I think the government will win a confidence motion. The question is where do we go forward from there? Mm. And I think what we want to see is a pushback to the Europeans on these specific points around the backstop. Yes, I think we could accept going into a transition period, but that transition period either has to have a fixed end or the ability for us to say it should end now. And I think if we've got that power, we could accept the fact that some of these other issues around the deal and the future relationship will have to be sorted out at that point. I don't know of any European negotiation that has been done and dusted you know, a couple of months before the deadline. There will be back and forth, and I think we just have to hold our nerve now and be really clear to Brussels what we need in order to get this agreement a- approved. And on the longevity of Theresa May, at what point do you think, uh, and after how many defeats in Parliament, does she consider her own position, not necessarily as, as, as stepping away from, um, from government and asking for a general election or, or acceding to a request for one, uh, but just in terms of leaving the job that she's in, which, which by all accounts, yes, she's been very resilient and she's been terribly determined and all of those you know, positive words that we all use about somebody who's failed miserably at doing what she was supposed to do. Basically, she can't do the job, can she? Well, to be Prime Minister, you know, ultimately you've got to command the House of Commons. You've got to be able to get your big your business through. Mm. I think what she has to do, in my mind, in response to a defeat tonight, is to make it really clear that she will act on what the House is doing. I think where she'll be in a difficult position is if she's if she continues to try and pursue a policy that is quite clear Parliament won't agree to, and a very very significant proportion of her own colleagues won't support either. Right now, we've seen um, Dominic Raab giving an alternative version of Brexit a few moments ago. Arlene Foster is now doing the same. What do you make of uh, of these particular kind of last minute shenanigans? Well, I think obviously Arlene Foster's intervention is probably more significant. She controls a certain block of votes. I don't know whether Dominic does, but uh, um, and, and I think what's clear, the DUP is saying that there is, you know, they're not implacably opposed. They're, you know, they want certain reassurances, particularly around the way the backstop works. They want to be, they want, they want to feel that the same rules apply to Northern Ireland as they do in the rest of the UK, and that we're not locked into arrangements we can't get out of. And I think there is a deal to be done. Uh, I think we've got to reach out. I think tonight the government, in accepting the defeat, has got to reach out across the House, engage these other parties that feel they've not been listened to as part of the talks. I feel we could come up with some sensible adjustments to the withdrawal agreement that will pass the House of Commons and could be acceptable to Brussels as well. Yeah, I've just got some lines coming in from this press conference, uh, Mike, where Arlene Foster is speaking. Now, the government was um, briefing optimistically over the Christmas holidays that the DUP were actually going to come around and back Theresa May's deal. They didn't put a date on it, but you would have thought by now. Um, it looks almost certainly like that is has zero chance of happening today, as if there were even a question mark over it. Arlene Foster saying that the deal in its current form, quote, does violence to the union, which I think is a particularly strong way Interesting of, language. Of, of putting this, uh, and that she can't accept a deal which uh, will break up the United Kingdom. Now, DUP MPs are, are more single-minded than people generally give them credit for. They don't necessarily all vote as a bloc altogether. They don't all think the same thing. Uh, but this is a really strong sign, I think, that uh, the DUP do remain very strongly against uh, the, the the, the agreement as it stands and actually to see the government's confidence and supply partners speaking uh, in this way on the day of such a significant vote for Theresa May's government it can't be it cannot be an easy thing for Downing Street to be experiencing right now no. considering Theresa May's government rests on these votes but it can't be a surprise either I mean the tragedy of this is that 
um, the opponents of the deal have been really consistent in what they've said about it all the way through. Yeah. And there's been this naivety in number 10 that somehow either the opposition would just fade away or wasn't real. And yeah. I, I think that's part of the frustration. People that's feel. one of the things yeah. that I find particularly galling in a way as a, as a, as a voter. Mm. The, 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 the Prime Minister seems to be getting some really terrible advice. I don't know where she's getting it from, but whoever is giving it to her is getting it all wrong. Well, absolutely. In terms of, uh, I think, really understanding the, 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 the serious objections people have. And, yeah. and, in print, and these, these objections are rooted in principle as well. In the, North, the DUP have been consistently clear about their concerns about Northern Ireland being treated differently from the rest of the UK and the, the permanent nature of the backstop binding us into a series of commitments that we can't independently break out of. And I think other colleagues have spoken in, in different ways about the same issues as well. And nothing has changed. To And the government hasn't offered anything else. I mean, that's the, it's, not, it's not like the government have come up with... Uh, a solution to these problems and hope that that would bring people over. Um, the, what they've offered is largely just a reiteration of the same arguments. Right. Well, one tiny, very uh, interesting little bit of procedural breaking news coming in from the Commons. We would usually know by now when the ele- uh, amendments for votes have been selected by the Speaker, and I understand the Speaker is going to make that announcement from the Chair. So it's a little bit of uh, a key moment in the Commons yeah. to see exactly how the votes will play out tonight. It d- maybe points towards the fact that the Speaker might be uh, minded to select a few controversial amendments, but we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, well, that wouldn't be surprising. Well, Damien, thank you very much indeed. Thank Damien you. Collins, uh, Tory MP for Folkestone there. Uh, telling us that uh, he will not vote with the Theresa May deal tonight. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio, via DAB, online or via the Talk Radio app. If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Support comes from ServiceNow, the AI platform for business transformation. You've heard the hype around AI. The truth is, AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. ServiceNow is the platform that puts AI to work for people across your business. Removing friction and frustration for your employees. Supercharging productivity for your developers. Providing intelligent tools for your service agents to make customers happier. All built into a single platform you can use right now. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Visit servicenow.com slash AI for people to learn more.